We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. We out the projects, baby. Where we gonna live at, son? Central Park West somewhere? What you gonna buy your mom, son? How Come on. A big house. It's the will of the man. It ain't the skill of the man. Don't be afraid of nobody. Take it. Take Go it. strong, baby. Like nobody's better yes. than you. You have a son named Jesus Shuttlesworth? Is your son considered the number one high school prospect in these United States? He's awesome, baby, with a capital N. Governor's made a request that your son seriously consider enrolling in his alma mater, big state. The governor's given me his word. He'll do everything in his power to cut your time here short. The NC2A deadline is one week away. Two parole officers will be assigned to you. Yeah, I guess I better get working now. And this will be the most important decision in your life. Don't blow it. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Folks, we are getting into April. Happy April. Uh, heading into the, the, we're right around the two year anniversary of this podcast, the exact date of which I do not remember, but <laughs> no one uh, does. No one no ever one will. Does. No one pretend. does. I could have looked back, I could have gone back and seen when the exact date was, but that would have taken. Yeah, I don't know. Two minutes of two minutes of clicking back to next episode. So it's too much, too much. Um, <laughs> huge thanks to everyone who is who has taken their time over the last two years, joined us to talk about our favorite, least favorite sports movies. It's been a great ride. We just finished a great month of March, which was basically returning guest month on Big Screen Sports. We did Moneyball mm-hmm. with the guys over at Tipping Pitches. Oh, incredible! The rundown with the two Jabronis guys. Uh, Senna, the documentary by Oscar winner Asif Kapadia, featuring returning guest J.J. Cooper. Space Jam with the guys over at Airbuds, And today we're going to continue that energy into April. We are talking with one of my favorite returning guests. He has been on this pod to cover Quidditch, musicals, acapella, and now he's finally here to cover a real sports movie. He is the host of Potterless, Meddling Adults, Horse, and a new project that he is about to tell us about, Mike Schubert. Mike, welcome back to Big Screen Sports. Hello. It is an honor to be back. I'm glad that we could make it happen where I'm finally actually talking about a sports movie. And of course, it's got to be basketball. It's the only Had to be basketball. Thing, so I'm glad. I'm glad we could make it happen. And I'm surprised you guys haven't done this one yet. It's an iconic all-timer of a film by my fellow beloved New York Knicks fan, Spike Lee. 
Yeah, I've actually I've got a, I've got a question for you about the all timerness of mm-hmm. this one, and mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm I'm glad we can talk real basketball and, and something related to the Knicks with Spike Lee because the other Knicks adjacent uh, piece of pop culture is Eddie starring Whoopi Goldberg, where Another she becomes classic. the coach. Which uh, th- I think this one's a little better though, Mike. Before we get into it though, you you have a new project, the hardest working man in podcast. You got to tell me about it. Yeah, so if you are listening to this between March 30th, 2021 and April 30th, 2021, that means the Kickstarter page for a new podcast project that I am working on, Modern Muckraker, is live which is my first ever scripted show where I will be playing a character that is taking intense deep dives into answering the pop culture questions that no one dared to ask. It'll be very Colbert Report style where I think this is the most hard-hitting intensive journalism, but the questions that we're answering are things like, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web-swinging? So using research and interviewing highly overqualified people like the head of the MTA to figure out when it's advantageous for him to take the subway instead of swinging. So it would be a whole series of that, of me answering these seemingly unanswerable questions, but always arriving at them. But the reason we're doing a Kickstarter for it is it's going to be a big production. We're going to have writers. We're going to have sound designers. We're going to have researchers, producers. Like I'm bringing in a whole team and I want to be able to pay them a fair wage. There's too many podcast projects where people get paid too little or not at all so uh (laughs) so if i am gonna do this i want to make sure i'm paying people a fair wage and thus i want upfront money from a kickstarter as opposed to like the promise that advertising will come so if you want to learn more about that and if you want to check out the kickstarter you can go to modernmuck.com or bit.ly slash modernmuckraker those will both take you to the places where you can learn more about the project and how you can support it and folks, the link to that Kickstarter, the link to that project is going to be in today's show notes and on Twitter. And I'm going to put it in the Big Screen Sports Facebook group, which if you haven't joined yet, you're a loser. Go join. <laughs> talking talking sports movies, you get input on episodes. Great place to be if you listen to this podcast on a regular mm-hmm. basis. But Mike, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I am also looking forward to talking about the movie we were talking about today. Mm-hmm. We were talking about He Got Game, 1998 basketball drama. A basketball player's father must try to convince him to go to a college so he can get a shorter sentence. Star Denzel Washington, Ray Allen, Rosario Dawson, and Rick Fox, directed, as you mentioned, by the great Spike Lee. Got an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mike, right off the bat, this might be the best basketball movie ever made. I was watching it on, I was doing my rewatch, and I was like, this, this might be, I don't know, it might not be the best, but it might be my favorite. Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's in the pantheon. It's it's in the top tier. I would have to say, I mean, I, I, have, I have a really soft spot for White Man Can't Jump, but it feels different. Like, that one feels more comedic. This could be the best dramatic basketball movie. I would say, uh, but it's it's definitely up there. It's it's really solid. And the cool thing about this movie is that it's not a basketball movie in the traditional sense, and that it bear it doesn't feature much like actual basketball. Like even White Man Can't Jump, which isn't your typical go team go Hoosiers mm-hmm. last second shot kind of movie, features a ton of basketball. It's just a different mm-hmm. style of basketball. This movie doesn't feature a whole hell of a lot of basketball. 
No, it comes in spurts. And when you do get the basketball, it's so great. Like when you finally get the one-on-one scene between Denzel and Ray Allen. Oh my gosh. Like it's so great. So yeah, I feel like when you get basketball, it's a lot of it. It just isn't spaced throughout the film. Like the whole intro is just so mesmerizing. Just there's something about watching someone play basketball in slow motion that I find more compelling than anything just because the ball rotating the net like especially the shots where they follow the ball all the way i honestly those opening credits i could have watched for 35 minutes it's never not captivating basketball looks so good in slow-mo i didn't put that on my best scenes but i i did put it in my notes because it's just showing basketball all around the country played in Mm -hmm. you've got it played on playgrounds you've got it played in on a farm with a hoop against a barn it's it's such a fantastic opening scene. It, it sets the table for a unique, artsy, but also gritty, like just a fantastic, fantastic sports movie. It helps that when we do see basketball in this movie, a lot of the time it's it's played by Ray Allen, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That right. really helps the movie. <laughs> yes. I, it was funny when we were trying to f- fill out the, the thing for the later segment of Worst Basketball Actor. It's like, well... Really, the only people who play basketball in this are Ray Allen and Denzel Washington, who are both fantastic. I do have a spicy pick for it. But yeah, I mean, I think they do a very good job of really setting the basketball stage for early on. It goes really deep by showing you all these different cultures and how it's played. I always have loved that basketball courts can be all over the world and you see some really gorgeous stuff because all it takes is a hoop. Like you can throw it on the side of a building or just on a pole and it's, it can just be anywhere. And I've always thought that's an incredible thing about basketball and the opening scene just hits you right with it. And it's just solid. It's really well done. It's a perfect love story to the sport, even though there's not that much of the sport being played. Like you don't see a single organized game of basketball. You get one-on-one. That's the closest you get. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what those opening credits would look like if the movie was made now because of how global the game has gone since this. Like, we're, mm-hmm. we're three years pre-Yao Ming. Dirk hasn't hit it big yet, and right. it, now the game is so global. It, it just That's a it, topic for another podcast. It'd be very mm-hmm. interesting. Mike, I don't think I need to ask. Is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter benchwarmer sports movie? It's Hall of Fame. It really is. It, it's just when you think about basketball movies, you can't talk about three of them without mentioning he got game like no one. No one can say can if you told someone who knows more than f- four to list four, like it's going to be in there. So it's yeah, it's Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, it's first ballot. Like it, it's it's mm-hmm. like Ray Allen. It's the this Ray one Allen is, of basketball movies. This one movies. Is, a, is a sweet three. It's it's <laughs> it's aged. It's aged incredibly, too. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's done pretty well. I think mm-hmm. some things, obviously, the sex worker Mila Jovovich thing feels like I, I don't know if it feels bad. It just feels strange in the movie. It feels out of place. We're going to. Yeah. yeah, I think we're going to get into that because that that's the one that's the one potential misstep. Right. Like, I love Mila Jovovich getting getting good work, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It feels like it was missing a scene somewhere, especially because in the end credits, you see her on a bus going somewhere else. It felt like we missed the scene where she decides to leave or Denzel helps her or something. But yeah, there was very few things where I was like, like nothing made me grimace. You, You have maybe some uncomfortable treatment of women with like grabbing Rosario Dawson by the arm. But then like she yells at him for that. And then obviously the stuff where Denzel treats his mom. So like, 
none, none of the stuff is like casual things where it's like, oh, back in 1998, we used to say this. Like anytime someone is rude or does something offensive, it's on purpose. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think looking back, it, it's held up. Yeah, it's 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 a great it's just as good to watch now as it was back then. I admittedly didn't see it then because I was seven. Uh, Mm -hmm, This is mm -hmm. not this is not a movie as someone who has a seven year old. This is not a movie for a seven year old. No, a lot of boobs, Um, a lot of boobs, a lot of (laughs) a lot of like legitimate actual porn actress boobs. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, very, very much unlike Denzel's others. Denzel is really in two sports, iconic sports movies in this and Titans. One of those you can show a seven year old. Yeah, Uh, this one is this one (laughs) is is not not that movie. Do you have a preference between He Got Game and Titans as far as the Denzel power duo? I think it's so hard because one of the most captivating things about this movie is you it's so hard not to root for Denzel Washington. And he he's he's bad in this movie. Like he's trash. It's like when you're watching Mm. Training Day, it's like Denzel Washington is so charismatic that you want to root for him. It is makes you so uncomfortable to watch a movie where like there's he's not redeemable at all like the what he did to mrs shuttlesworth is like unforgivable it's like when he's doing it it seems like oh maybe it's an accident and then when it happens it's like oh no like it says a lot about training day though that in this movie he is literally convicted murder and i would much rather hang out with this guy than the guy (laughs) in training day yeah i think i feel like in terms of denzel powerhouse it's it's easier to go with Remember the Titans. And I think the other thing with Remember the Titans is that like that movie is Denzel featuring other people. Whereas there's enough convincing performances in he got game that there like, there's more being brought to the table. Whereas like if you, it's like the MVP discussion. If you take Julius Randall off the Knicks, do they win a game? Probably not. Like if you take Denzel Washington out of Remember the Titans, it's nothing. I don't think Ryan Gosling's holding that movie together. No. But if you took Denzel Washington out of He Got Game, it would be worse significantly. But I still think there's enough good in it that it's that it's okay. So I feel yeah. like you got to give it to Remember the Titans just because he's doing more work. It's like when LeBron was on the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> he's shouldering the load in that movie in terms of like. The performance or what the work he's doing, I think, yeah, Titans. I would rather watch Titans if it was on cable. Like, if they're both on cable, I'm probably mm-hmm. watching Titans. If I was sitting down for two hours to watch the movie, uh, I, I think I would take He Got Game. I think I would I rather so watch too. He Got Game. Because the thing with He Got Game is, like, it's a critique on many levels. It's a critique on how screwed up the NCAA is. It's a critique on living in a bad part of town and people trying to, you know, leech on to the the person who's going to break free and, and maybe bring them out of their bad financial situation. It's a commentary on being a black athlete in America. Like it's more digestible and gives you more to think about. Uh, it's also it also makes you process things more because it's not just straightforward. Like you have to think at the end of the movie when the basketball flies in, you have to think about like, oh, this represents something because clearly he didn't literally throw the basketball into the closed arena. So it's more of a thinker. So I feel like, yeah, if you're going to sit down and watch it, this is the choice. Just a fantastic flick. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. We're, so excited we're doing this one. Mm-hmm. Um, get into a couple couple bits of IMDb trivia I pulled. This one is, I think, the most like the most famous one, or at least like the 
the most exciting one for me. I, I love, I, I've heard this before, but I loved reading it again. For the scene where Jesus and Jake play for the letter of intent, the original script called for Jesus to win 15 to nothing. However, Spike Lee encouraged the actors to play for real. When the contest between Ray Allen and Denzel Washington began, Denzel scored four straight points as the crew whooped and applauded from the sidelines. Allen was furious and proceeded to score 10 points in a row, at, at which point Spike Lee declared Allen had won and the scene and game was finished. Now, there's another version of that story. Yeah, I've heard multiple versions of this story. There's a version of that story where Ray Allen thought he was supposed to win 15 to nothing, and Spike Lee, un- unbeknownst to Ray Allen, told just told Denzel to play hard. Right. And that's what made Ray Allen mad. Yeah. So I was reading on this this morning as well because I was trying to tell my wife Kelly about it. So I think... It was always planned that he was going to win 11 to 0. And you know this because they, if you watch the movie, when Ray Allen says 11-5, you lost, his mouth says 11-0, you lost, and they ADR 11-5. So that was like definitely in the script that he's supposed to win 11-0. But yeah, I've heard two different versions. What what I read this morning, Spike Lee in like a 2006 interview said that the plan was 11-0. He was just going to get whooped. But he, but Spike knew that Denzel would not be okay with that at all. So Spike kind of like let it happen. So not necessarily like a dedicated Spike Lee saying like, go do this. But Spike like let it happen. And then uh, as opposed to what you just said with the crowd cheering and the crew, apparently the crew is upset because they all thought it was supposed to be 11-0. So they thought Ray Allen was like screwing up by letting Denzel score. And apparently even Ray Allen's acting coach yelled at him. And she said like, what are you doing? You can't let him score. And Ray Allen said to her, it's basketball. I can't predict it. He said something along the lines of, I can't zap the ball out of the air with my eyes. If it goes in, it goes in. So once that started happening, Spike let it happen. And then it makes for a much more convincing scene because you can see Ray Allen get pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can see Denzel sweating like he's trying to score on Ray right. Allen. Yeah. And then you like, he's playing like fine defense, but not like hard defense. And then once he makes like the third one, Ray Allen's like, fuck this. <laughs> it's great. I love doing a, how much would you pay hypothetical on this show? Mike, if someone told you they had just the, the straight like footage Ooh. from that basketball game, what are you, what are you plunking down for that? I would, I would drop $10,000 because I know I could sell it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an investment. Like, 10000 on the premise that I would be able to uh, then distribute it somewhere else. If I can't g- sell it at all, maybe like maybe like 500 bucks like i would it's, i would do that in a heartbeat it'd not be a as treasure. much it's not as much as i would pay for like the usa uh olympic team where they lost the college scrimmage or the usa scrimmage where they played each other oh, and they talked trash yeah, the, like the that dream team one yeah the yeah, dream but, team stuff like that i'm i'm ba- i'm backing up the brinks truck but i would love to see it just with all the uncut stuff it would be it would be interesting but i think what's so nice about this happening is that it it's makes it more believable of a scene because i recently played my father in basketball and my whole life he would beat me my dad's very good but now my dad's 60 so when i was home most recently like i beat him uh, pretty handedly but if i went into that like when i first started playing him, i was like i'm not going to try that hard cuz i don't want to be mean to my old dad but if he scored 4 <laughs> points on me straight like yeah, I'd be super pissed. You got to turn <laughs> so, on the Jets. Yeah, for sure. So I think it makes the scene more authentic. And uh, I'm glad it worked out that way where it's 11-5 instead of 
Yeah. So th- the other stuff I pulled from the trivia is, is casting stuff, and I really like casting stuff. Mm. I, always, I always like these you star-studded know, casting. This star-studded. when John Turturro came out as the tech you coach, I completely forgot. You, I had you no know, idea. One, and he gets him for just one scene. It's not the yeah. first time they work together. Not the last. Uh, of course, Spike is going to get a great there's a lot of great players Shaq cameo Jordan cameo yeah uh all those all the college coaches but Mm -hmm. Spike Lee originally wanted Kobe Bryant to play the to play the part of Jesus Shuttlesworth right Kobe liked the script and the idea of working with Spike he had just finished his rookie year in the NBA and had shot several air balls in a brutal loss to the Lakers but brutal playoff loss by the Lakers to the Utah Jazz which you can read about in past guest Jeff Perlman's book uh Three Ring Circus which is very very good especially this part about Kobe's air balls and planned a workout program that would help him maintain his strength through the longer NBA season. So he told Spike in the summer of 1997 was too important to spend time making the film and Spike promptly sought out Ray Allen who quickly accepted the lead role. I don't know. And this is, this is something that I am not taking a shot at Kobe Bryant on this. I am not sure. I think he would have a little too much ego and a little too much desire to win in things, Mm -hmm. especially at that point in his life. Again, if you read Jeff Perlman's book, Kobe was at a very mentally fragile place in his life and a very Kobe was a very like tortured guy. Uh, he, He just never felt like he fit in. I am not sure he could display the the sensitivity that Ray Allen took to this role. No, I think with Ray Allen, and first, I am so surprised. I never would have pegged Ray Allen as like a quality actor. I don't know. I was not what old enough to know what he was like What is he doing by not then. acting now? He's yeah. been retired. Get in <laughs> yeah. the game, Ray. Uh, he for sure should. He should have a Rick Fox type career where he just has a whole successful acting career after. But I think what makes Ray Allen good for this role is that the character of Jesus Shuttlesworth is someone that is very much just like, please just leave me alone and let me play basketball. And I don't care about all this other stuff. Kobe, at least later in life, Kobe, he's become a very good actor. Like when they did those Mamba mentality, the Kobe system commercials where he's like acting over the top Kobe, like it's very funny. I feel like the fact that Ray Allen's a little more monotone makes it work really well in the role because the character of Jesus Shuttlesworth is someone that's just like, let me just play ball and let me do me. And I think Ray Allen brings a nice understated characteristic to it that I fear someone like a Kobe with more of an ego, like you said, might be like overplaying it a bit too much. And it would make Jesus Shuttlesworth into a completely different character. Yeah. And two other uh, potential <laughs> potential uh, actors for Jesus Shuttlesworth, Allen Iverson and Stefan Marbury. Were among the, uh, the NBA players considered for Jesus Shuttlesworth. <laughs> However, neither wanted to audition, which was a deal breaker for Spike Lee, which sounds just like those guys. Marbury does get mentioned in the mm-hmm. film, and it does make sense because he is the most, like, one of the most famous players to ever come out of Coney Island. Um, I. I think both of those guys would have been terrible. Iverson again, nightmare to work with. Iverson again would have just had too much swagger and it would have been a completely different character. And Marbury, I mean, he did have his whole Stefan Marbury, uh, Chinese musical about his life situation. So maybe, but I wouldn't trust him to bring the acting chops that Ray Allen did. No, no. Spike made the right choice. Uh, Last thing. This movie was filmed in 23 days. All this, Whoa. all this magic in three weeks. Holy crap! That's quick. There's just, there's no one like Spike, man. He is just, he is just 
He is that dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Love me some Spike Lee. Okay, let's get into the best scenes. I do these chronologically. I tried to be picky, but just like with Moneyball uh, a few weeks ago, it is hard to 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 limit myself on some of these scenes. <laughs> like the right when Warden Wyatt lays out the plan. I love it when a movie gives us the entire plot within five to ten minutes. It's like, good. It's so nice yeah. that they show you the future while he explains it. More directors need to do that. It saves you so much time. Oh, it was brilliant. I, I was like angry that that hasn't been uh, stolen by every director ever. It's genius. Yeah. And it's a great plot. Like, hey, your son's the top recruit in the nation. You mm-hmm. need to get him mm-hmm. to commit to to big state. And the only thing you're left really wondering is how he's going to do it and what is he in prison for? And what is big state? <laughs> what is big? I was kind of thinking, like, what college is big state? It's hard because New York doesn't really have, like, a big school that is good at basketball. Because the big school in New York would be NYU, I guess. Mm-hmm. Isn't, is St. John's in New York? It is. But again, I wouldn't call that, like, the... There's no like quintessential big state school in New York. So it feels like it's not even an allegory to anything, which I guess makes it work. Yeah, I don't I, I kept I kept wondering about that because like he's he's says he's going to move his sister too to wherever they're living. So it, it doesn't make me think that like I was thinking maybe big state is like Rutgers. Maybe maybe he's moving to Jersey. And That's it's like the, the only the, thing the, I could think of. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, the second scene I've got is uh, when Jesus goes to see Aunt Sally and Uncle Bubba after Jake resurfaces. Uh, I call this scene the Uncle Bubba show. Mm-hmm. Like, m- just mo- movie references out the wazoo. Yep. He's wanting to take advantage of booster money. Like, Uncle Bubba needs to come on big screen sports. <laughs> he, is, he is made for this podcast. Yeah, Uncle Bubba's an interesting character because when he first introduces himself, you think, oh, this guy's really nice. And then pretty quickly afterwards, you realize he is in the bucket of characters that suck, like shitty people category. Yeah, the the bummer about what's going on with Jesus is that there is there's really like no one he can trust in his corner. Only Booger. <laughs> yes, just Booger. He's the one good person in the whole movie. (laughs) But he's also, Booger is a good person, but he is not someone Jesus can lean on for advice either. Not Booger is sweet, but not like the brightest. No, he's not necessarily the person you need to have as your rock. And, And that's like, and that's the thing. And that's where like, if this movie was a little more sentimental, you could see it be a situation where, you know, you, you play up, it's like, oh, Jake is that that shining knight. Yeah, he did this bad thing, but he's really the person that Jesus can lean on. And like, no, Jake's a little shitty too and kind of out for himself in this whole thing. Like, the, mm-hmm. the tough thing, this movie's about the pressures of stardom. And if you don't have, a, you know, someone you can count on in your, in your corner and ever, people disappoint Jake mo, or uh, Jesus moment after moment in this movie. And th- this thing with Uncle Bubba is just kind of the start of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no one by the end of the movie. There is no one that he can really lean on for support. Yeah, it's, it, it's sad. But I mean, the movie is sad. The movie is is not a warm, feel good thing. It's showing you the reality of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one I've got is when Jesus and Jake meet up on the court. And the thing with this scene that stands out for me is like Ray Allen is hanging with Danzel. He's playing the part of the frustrating frustrated angry teenager and it's coming off really well yes definitely and 
Uh, is this the one where not not the flashback with the the mom death, right? Yes. Or, no. Uh, no. Not the flashback with the mom the mom death, but it's the 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 story about his name, not liking his name, the flashback of his mom right, right. calling for him and stuff. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. good. It's very believable, especially because that is exactly how kids would bully someone if their name was Jesus. Uh, incredibly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. What this one actually might have been the the first time they meet up on the court. That might have been the reveal. The, the the reveal of the mom death. I can't. I no, the, it's notes. the second one. The there's second. the there's the first one where he's like dribbling around and and Booger's there and he's like fine, but <laughs> the second there. yeah the second one is when uh, the second one is when he is a kid flashback and his dad's getting a little drunk and pushing him around and even though the, the people are telling him to stop, Jesus throws the ball over the fence and then yeah the mom situation. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, the one that one the the first one you you find out why Denzel is in prison. He, mm-hmm. he says you know the thing about his mom, but then it's later and he because I think the whole movie until then until that that second one on one you're kind of hoping that oh maybe it was just you know a big accident exactly and, and then it turns out to be like no it's a really shitty moment. Um, yep. The next one I've got after that is when when Jesus meets the agent Dom Pagnotti. I have Dom Mike, Pagnotti. Have, what a guy! <laughs> I have one rule in life, only one rule, is that if I ever get the chance to sign a life changing contract, it is not going to be with a fast talking dude with one earring that I met that <laughs> yeah. same day. I forgot about the one earring. Ugh, ridiculous. And I don't know. I've never, I have never understood expensive watches. I've, I can't imagine wearing something. That costs thirty thousand dollars. I get, like that sounds so stressful. I can't even imagine. And like I don't even think those watches are that good looking. <laughs> I don't. I don't get the hype at all. I have my nice pretend gold, uh, stainless steel painted gold calculator watch from Casio, and I'm set. It was fifty bucks, and I'm set. <laughs> and the fact that he was just trying to, he was trying to get him to sign his, like, sign his likeness, sign him as his agent, forego the NCA after a a ten minute meeting. Jesus, just because I'm an Italian American doesn't mean I'm involved with the mob. I'm the best at what I do. I'm a sports agent. Now I don't know if you realize this, but several NBA teams are interested in you right now. At this point in time, I can't tell you who, but I will tell you they are contenders. Now, I know you've considered jumping straight to the pros. The money is there. I have the contacts, so apply for the NBA draft now. Right here, Jesus, is a contract. This makes me your agent. This allows me to represent you. I will take you to the top. I can't do that right now. I still have to weigh my options. How much does your watch cost? $89.95. $89.95. Right here is a platinum and diamond Rolex. The best you can buy. Gold, forget about it. Silver, forget about it. You have platinum and diamonds. That's like having speed and power in the NBA. And Jesus, that watch is a gift from Don Pagnotti to you. Yeah, ridiculous of, of how quickly that all turned around. But I mean, I guess it's a movie. And it's also interesting with this movie being 1998, it is right before they changed the rules. And it's funny, especially now as we record this in 2021, where they're probably going to change those rules back 
in two years. I think 2023 is when they anticipate that's going to be the the change where you can come straight out of high school. So Yeah, they're going to be the super draft because it's going to be that year's freshman in college plus mm-hmm. the, the high schoolers who are able to go out. Mm-hmm. That's why my beloved New York Knicks keep trading specifically for 2023 picks, and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next scene I've got as far as best scenes is the, the one we were just talking about, the one-on-one where things get out of control. And it's important Man. because you need to realize that Jake has legitimate faults and deserves to be in the position he's in. He's like yep. a too intense little league dad who's drinking. It is important that it's a tragedy, but not an unavoidable accident. It could have been avoided. It, it was a crime. Yes, hundred percent. And when I first watched it and he was, and he was drinking at first, like you can't tell. And, and for a second, drinking I w- from a homeless man's bottle. Oh, it wasn't even like his. It was somebody else's that he like took from. Yeah, it was that guy who was watching the game. And he's just like swigging from like, you don't know what that guy is drinking. I mean, I guess after a sip, you know. You're not 100. Like, is there PCP in there? Like, I don't don't really know what you're doing. At first when he was drinking, I was like, that's kind of weird to wrap the Gatorade in brown paper bag. And and then I'm like, oh, never mind. He's drunk. Oh, this is way worse than I remember. (laughs) Uh, the next one I've got is Jesus visiting Tech U. Rick Fox. Tech U, baby. What a big state in Tech U. Fucker, Rick Fox. Rick Fox. He's he's definitely in the running for the best supporting actor because what a he does a great job of being a hot college hotshot guy. But yeah, he looks he looks great. He does a great job. Do you know what arena it, they sit in for Tech U? Do you know what stadium that is? I was very intrigued. I do not, but I, I bet we can. I bet the internet knows. Okay. Yeah, uh, but the I thing was, with Rick Fox is like, yeah, he's astonishingly good in this role. You understand now why he gets the role in uh, in holes. Oh, in, in many roles. Uh, when he finally gets non basketball player roles, because for a long time we did a thing on Horace about just all of his his roles and some of which were most of which were basketball player or retired basketball player or basketball coach. But when he flexes those muscles and he goes outside of sports, he's still pretty solid. Yeah. So in uh, IMDb, let's see filming locations. It's got 15. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm Googling tech U stadium to see <laughs> if anything shows up. East Jersey um, state prison is where, Oh, they filmed, it's, uh, Oh, it's, it's Charlotte. It's the Charlotte Coliseum UNC. Okay. Okay. Is that UNC or is that like University of Charlotte? Or is that where the Hornets play? It, where the uh, Hornets let's see. Played? Charlotte Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let's see. Charlotte Coliseum was a multi-purpose sports entertainment. Uh, so it's former. Oh, it was it was the it was the Bobcats and the Hornets. Ah, uh, okay. So All not right, university. Well, that makes sense because it was so big. I was like, "There's no way this is a college. This arena is way too large." Yeah. Well, go Tech U. Tech you, uh, <laughs> baby. Technical university. <laughs> Where Jesus probably has one of the wilder sex scenes in sports movie history with two actual legitimate pornographic actresses. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. The sex scenes in this movie are, they all feel like 15 seconds too long. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I, when I was doing my rewatch, my wife had gone to sleep and mm-hmm. I was actually really glad that she had gone uh. to sleep. See, I was watching it this morning as my wife was eating lunch, and uh, I felt uncomfortable and started uh, doing the dishes. <laughs> yes, as well. Yeah, that's that's the move. Yeah, that it's a very and I mean and it because it goes like you're kind of wondering is Jesus just gonna like pop up and be like, no, I'm out of here. I'm not about mm-hmm. this. Jesus was very about that. 
Right. And and I was talking with Kelly afterwards. She was like, why did he do this? I thought he was a good guy. It's like what I realized is that Jesus in the movie, he says no to all of the illegal stuff. And he's very concerned about things that are not going to screw up his future. And having sex with these women is not going to screw up his career. So it's less that he is this like really wholesome, good guy. It's more that he is very focused on his dream and he doesn't want to do things that could impact it. Like the gifts of the car and the watch and all that, even from early on in the scene where he's on college, like he wants to fuck the second he's there. Absolutely. Like he's down for it. He's interested in that. So it doesn't come as too much of a surprise. So it doesn't come as too much of a surprise when he, you know, follows through on the uh, the waterbed offer, which that was that was actually the one thing in this movie that might have aged the worst. Yep, the yeah, waterbed. Because like I, I've never slept on a waterbed. I've never fooled around on a waterbed. I don't know if it would be good for either. I feel like it'd be bad for everything. Man, watching that as an almost 30-year-old man and just seeing that waterbed, my back started to <laughs> That is That is not what I'm looking for in my life, is that kind of waterbed support. Uh, the last scene I've got is uh, Jake and Jesus playing one-on-one. And I oh. would bet that playing against Ray Allen for real was like a top three highlight of Denzel's career. I feel like he loved that shit. Just play the game. Just play the game. I learned that from you. Oh, how could you not? It's incredible. It's really solid stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's my easy choice for the best scene. And not, I don't think anything even comes close. It's so good. It's so long. They show you the entire game. They don't cut it. Like, there's barely any cuts. And, and if they are, they're more stylistic. Like, you see every point scored. You see every bucket. So it's great. Yeah, and I mean, watching Ray Allen play basketball is just a treat. Like, even taking mm, away mm. from, like, the movie we're watching and, and the magnitude of the moment and what they're playing for, real treat. Definitely, and I also think what makes it so nice is that you've got this basketball movie that for, like, an hour and 45 minutes has had very little basketball. So when you finally get, like, 30 minutes of uninterrupted basketball, it's just such joy, pure euphoria. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. And again, it's another moment where Ray Allen is right there with Denzel. He's not Denzel. He doesn't. No one's Denzel, but he's hanging. Like Denzel's mm-hmm, bringing mm-hmm. it. He's physical. He's emotional. Because I mean, this guy is playing for his life. He, he le- legitimately playing for his life. And like, I don't. You know, it, it's kind of interesting that he would. You know, he did the thing like you know, I'll play you for it, whatever. He's got to know he he can't win. I. I you kind of wonder right. like what's going through, you know, is it just like wanting to get one more game of one-on-one with his son or just wanting to do one more competitive thing for his life? Or if he's just like that desperate where he's like, this is the only chance I have to get out of prison. My interpretation is that he knows he's going to lose and what he, it's almost like a passing of the torch of giving Ray Allen the final closure in like, Ray Allen now has the full decision of whether or not Jake is in his life anymore. Jesus can 
Jesus is obviously going to win this game and that will get rid of Jake for now. He can decide to sign with big tech or yeah, sign with big state. Tech God. you and big state. Big, <laughs> big you, tech state. Yeah. So he can sign with big state if he wants. I think what it really is, is like it's Jake putting the ball in Jesus's court eh, so that he has full agency over the decision. And when you think about Jesus's decision in the end, when he does decide to go to big state, he made the choice because everyone else in his life, everybody else wants something from Jesus, mostly money, the agent, his girlfriend, his uncle, everyone is looking for something. And even Jake was looking for something, but he got to a point when he eventually realizes like, I, I'm not going to be able to convince him. This is Jesus's decision to make, and he needs to do whatever is best for him. I think Jesus, I think Jake knew he was going to lose. He did this just so that Jesus could be in control of his life and he has the say in everything. And it's, and it's empowering him to, to say like, look, you take charge and you do what you want and don't worry about everybody else, me included, because I've failed you. I think that's a really quality interpretation. I am going to run with that one. Nice. Cool. Uh, that's, that's how I reason it be- out. That's my best scene too. Um, it's, yeah. it's what mm-hmm. you wait for the whole movie. There's a lot of great moments in this movie. Um, like I didn't even mention, you know, like the car ride with big time Willie. Like that's a, that's a very interesting one. I, I did appreciate my wife going, what is the point of this? <laughs> I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. It was like spike. I, that guy's he's, I, his last name I can't remember is Roger Guinevere. I think mm-hmm. he's been in a lot. Of, he's done a lot of stuff with Spike. He was an American gangster, just like a good character actor, and it's like just incredible heat on a car ride. We're gonna get into him and the, the pinch hitter award. Uh, Mike, mm-hmm. let's take a quick ad break and then get back with the best quote. Hey, big screen sports listeners, want to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast but don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. Guys, I will say that I wish I had had something like this when I was first getting started. Uh, Huge hurdle is just getting your foot in the door. Blue Wire Hustle really helps with that. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me talk about your favorite sports movies, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode so to find out more, that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so best quote. Um, this one kind of... You know, not your typical sports movie and it doesn't have there's no big corny quote or something you know like yeah. that that classic cliche there's nothing cliche about this movie um i just right off the bat uh extreme leo dicaprio pointing at the tv meme uh when mj says he got game oh yeah uh-huh oh they said the thing <laughs> <laughs> they said it did you have was there a quote in this movie that, that stood out to you i had two i really appreciated the exchange between jake and the footlocker guy when he's getting the new jordans and he sees his you know tracker bracelet and uh the denzel tries to play it off saying oh it's for arthritis and then the guy says yeah my brother has the same arthritic condition like it's a good quote but it's also nice just to see those two guys like bonding over something that's not going well in both of their lives uh i also appreciated i think it was sip calls booger uh, a pygmy motherfucker uh some someone calls booger a pygmy motherfucker at some point and it's pretty good <laughs> those there's, are my two picks there's another one that involves booger and it's it's uh when we were we were just talking about our, our guy big time willie uh when he asked he asked jesus do you know how to spell pussy and booger from the back seat very excited says i know p u and then big time willie goes h i v <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Which pe- I mean, people. For, I mean, that's like still tail end of the AIDS crisis. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. big time Willie just spilling knowledge. Um, th- there's two that are that are from Jake. Um, one of them, one of them features a word that is not to be said by me, but it is. You mm. get that hatred out your heart, boy. Or are you just going to end up another word man like your father, another man like your father? But he. He says it, and it's the same thing with the, it. Kind of links to this other quote: "Is I pray you understand why I pushed you so hard. It was to only get you to that next level, son. I mean, use the first shuttle's worth that's ever going to make it out of these projects, and I was the one to put the ball in your hand, son. I put the ball in your crib." Jake knows what he has given Jesus in terms of a desire for basketball, a drive, a work ethic, etc. He also knows that he has, because of his actions, has given him an angst and a hatred. And um, something that he really needs to get over because it, it is going to it is going to tear him up and spit him out just like it did Jake. Yeah, definitely. I thought those quotes were good. I really enjoy the one uh, where, you know, he says you got to get the anger out. I think it's it's a powerful, powerful line, powerful writing and powerful delivery from Denzel. Yeah, yeah. And because it, it, and again, it's also it's it's like he, it's not asking for forgiveness either. It's just it's. That line is one of the few from Jake that are just directly for the sake of his own son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's get into the most authentic, least authentic sports-centric parts in this in this movie. Um, it, it's an interesting movie. It takes on a different side of sports than a lot of basketball movies. Again, right. you know, not a lot of legitimate basketball, you know, classic team action. Um, did you have a, a most authentic sports-centric part of this one? My most authentic was everyone trying to leech into Jesus from his girlfriend to his uncle, everyone trying to get their cut. 
I thought that that was incredibly realistic given what players go through and people always trying to get money from other people and weasel their way into it. That felt like the most authentic. I think the critique on college players and the NCAA system and all that, I think that's the most most authentic part. It plays well. Yeah, uh, I was kind of in that same vein of a prison commutation for a recruit commitment is just classic scummy NCA recruiting shit. Yeah, for sure. And then especially uh, another realistic thing is the governor, the warden, whatever, screwing him over. Like, could you could see that one coming a mile away? Oh, for sure. You knew th- there's one certainty in this movie when when the when the warden lays out the plan is that Jake is definitely not getting out of prison. For sure. No way. Um, I have something for least and it kind of goes into that, but the recruiting aspect, I love that this movie is about a recruit and what goes into all of that. There's no way he'd have been left alone by these schools a week before his decision. And like, there's no way he's doing an official visit the Friday before signing day. Like those would be done. Right. And the only, like they mention him talking to, his sister says he's using up the phone too much. He's talking, you know, talking to the schools, whatever they would have someone like camped out outside his house. Those schools would be hounding him. He is the number one recruit in the nation. Yeah, I can see it. I think they try to convey that with the phone calls, but you're right. The fact that he has no idea and it's such a short window and the, the campus visit, that one felt like the, the most unbelievable to me. What I had for least authentic is empty basketball courts in New York City. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they can take the, the, the fact that they can play one on one on such a nice court like that court is nice. Glass backboard, really well put together, hard court bottom. No one is even playing at the other side when they start, when they end. There's two guys on the other side of the court. But yeah, the court being that empty, like good luck. No way. <laughs> Not to mention when word got out that Jesus Shuttlesworth, like like if if Stefan Marbury in high school went to went to go out and play at a public park, it would have drawn a crowd instantly. I mean, the day before cell phones, but like someone would have hopped on the payphone and been like, hey, you, y'all got to get down here because Jesus right. Shuttlesworth is playing. Yeah, and that kind of gets conveyed when you have the time when Jesus's team calls next and then everyone shows up like that feels more believable but the fact during that one-on-one that they a could even play it and then b that no one is there watching it like if if you knew jesus shuttlesworth the number one recruit played at that court every now and then people would go to that court frequently on the off chance that he shows up yeah yeah it would be yeah i i think that's that's why you're a perfect guest for this because i would not have thought of the empty new york courts but you as someone who lives in new york city We're right I'm just on jealous. I, there is there is a court near me, near my house that's pretty empty. I mean, obviously, COVID, I'm not playing basketball right now. There's a court near me that's pretty vacant, but I have learned that it's pretty close to a high school because one time I went out to shoot, and I'm a full-time podcaster, so I'm able to like do things in the middle of the afternoon. And one time I went out to shoot hoops at 2.30, and then once like 3.10 hit, <laughs> like 20 high schoolers showed up, and uh, I no longer had the court all to my lonesome. And you don't want to hang, you don't want to mess with teens. Yeah, I play. I played a couple rounds with them, but uh, so I, I at one point I think I put my hands on my knees to like catch my breath, and uh, some some fourteen or fifteen year old kid called me like either a geezer or an old ass or something. Oh, that's that's my nightmare. <laughs> I mean, I was very, I was, I blocked the shit out of him on the next play, but <laughs> you, <got laughs> you old, know, old man's revenge. I may be old, but I am much taller than you. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so let's get into what worked about this one, what makes this one a Hall of Famer that we haven't already talked about. I, I mm-hmm. think, obviously, the Denzel-Spike-Lee combination is oh, just incredible. fire flames. Malcolm Absolutely X, incredible. this, Inside Man, which is just one of my favorite heist movies and doesn't get enough play, and it's something I want to do on this podcast because robbing a bank is a sport. It's like, <laughs> it. I mean, what a combination. I mean, it, God, this movie is just so good. Yeah, that's definitely huge. What I had for what really worked was the ESPN segment about Jesus Shuttlesworth. I thought that was great. That whole scene was great with him watching it. The only thing I realized as it kept going on, and all the cameos are awesome too, but as it kept going on, my brain thought, wow, this ESPN segment sure looks like a Spike Lee movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because like they got the super zoom in cuts of people talking and like the interspersed things that we've been seeing throughout the whole film. So I liked it at first and then halfway through, I was like, oh, this ESPN promo is cut exactly exactly the same as the rest of the movie but it's still so good so many great cameos from the coaches to the players barkley getting in the mix like it was so great but i think i think really overall the whole editing of the movie is is very solid i especially loved the lighting of it lighting in a lot of different scenes is really nice i also know that it's something i read an article about just how like some more modern shows are doing better about lighting non-white actors Uh, this is something that insecure the Issa ray show on hbo does a really good job of using different lighting so that people who aren't white look good on camera and i think that this movie does a really solid job of it i was watching on my tv with hbo max because it's on hbo max for free if anyone's got that uh and it like looks really good for a 1998 movie so the lighting work throughout it was really incredible you get some interesting lighting like at the carnival scenes at the end and stuff like that i thought that was stuff was really solid yeah i mean it's it's important that someone like Spike Lee directs this movie and tells this story because this is a mm-hmm. this is a black athlete movie. This right. is a New York story. This is that's that's right there. That that is what Spike Lee does, and yeah, it's it's all handled great. One more thing about the Sports Center feature is that I thought it tethered this movie to reality in a really good way because like LeBron was on the cover of SI five years after this. Like mm-hmm. this is this is what would be surrounding a guy like this like getting all these cameos lends so much credibility to the 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 authenticity of this movie like they there would be a maybe a sports center bit about jesus shuttlesworth there's some sort you know a sports illustrated Mm -hmm. article he he wouldn't be in a bubble he would be he would be nationwide at least up and down the east coast with how without basketball recruiting worked at that point it it would be a national story Yeah, and all the features would be that over the top and so cliche with the use of Jesus and the religious stuff and the cross. Like the fact that everything has got from the photos to the ESPN segment to the video that they put together at TechU, all the stuff being like, hey, your name is like the Bible guy. Like that's how annoying media would be if there was a player in the NBA named Jesus. So it holds true like that really hits that for sure. Yeah, and kind of like we touched on earlier uh he he grabs spike grabs denzel grabs a guy who you know can carry the weight of this movie but he doesn't ask him to um he, mm-hmm. he he's very fortunate with the casting of rail i don't know if fortunate's the word i'm sure that he there was something he saw in ray allen to where he was like this is the the guy but the fact that like it's almost disappointing that ray allen decided to be a hall of fame basketball player <laughs> was more important because he's good at this shit like he could have carved it's never out too a, late he can make it happen and never he too carved late. out a nice life for himself as an actor <laughs> instead, he, instead he had to win nba championships 
Um, like that scene when he's talking with his coach and his coach is like trying to shake him down a little bit for his answer. Oh like, yeah, the smarmy coach. Gosh, yeah. another another person that doesn't have his best interest in mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like you feel for Jesus with how many people are on his ass about this, but like Allen handles that weight really well. And I mean, mm-hmm. Ray Allen, you know, four or five years before this was filmed, was a top basketball recruit. Like he went to UConn. Yep. Like this is it might not have been he might not have been able to identify with everything Jesus Shuttlesworth was going through, but probably some parts that that's probably effective. But then like Spike grabs all these great bit you know bit roles and bit characters, and and everyone's kind of everyone's putting in a solid performance. Like anyone who's asked to carry a little bit of weight does that. And it takes this movie a really long way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also Denzel's jumper in this movie. Oh, I'm, it's I such a fun it. catapulty release. It's like that classic seventies, eighties, like cock that shit back until you're tapping your spinal cord and let it fly. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Yeah. It definitely tracks for his age in the movie of what his style would be. He's got a good old man shot. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Uh, needless to say, also with this one, it, it's Spike Lee. The soundtrack slaps. Just great, yes. great music. The the entire uh, the entire movie. Yeah, the use of like orchestral music in the intro and stuff. It it like it's somewhat unsettling at some points where you're not exactly sure what the music is supposed to convey emotion wise, but it makes it interesting. It made me feel like in some scenes I was on the edge of my seat. It just feels like it it heightens the intensity of a lot of scenes. Yeah, it's um that that's and that's that's the mark of a Spike Lee movie. Like I don't think I've ever watched a Spike Lee movie where the music didn't didn't fit perfectly and just wasn't a great mix and 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 like fit for the scene cuz like the most recent Spike Lee movie I think I had seen since the maybe not most recent but like the the Spike Lee movie I've seen for the first time since before seeing this is the five bloods, which came out last year. And it's, yeah, it's got like the, all the Vietnam era music and it just, it's very well done. Just classic, classic spike. Um, for what didn't work about this one, there's not a lot. This is a hall of fame movie. The one thing of like, no, it's not that this doesn't work, but the montage of coaches at the beginning or the montage of coaches, you know, saying this is going to be the most important decision of your life is like a who's who of college basketball legends who have died in the past few years, which is like Lute Olson and John Thompson and, uh, Lon Chaney who just, who just died. And it's, it's, uh, age gets us all, which is tough. Yeah, definitely. All of the things that I had for what didn't work are silly. When they play Jet Moto on the PlayStation, they're pushing too many buttons <laughs> because it's a racing game and you just hold down X. Occasionally you'll use square to do your grappling thing for the sharp turns, but like they're pushing way too many buttons for Jet Moto, uh, which is a game that I played to death on my PlayStation. Another oh, very tiny thing, when he when Jake is doing this, the one of the first scenes with uh Mila Jovovich and he's going to get the rag. She says the sink doesn't work and then he uses the sink uh to to wet it and then I think later on he uses the tub to wet it, but I'm pretty sure the first time he uses the sink, which she just said doesn't work. Um and then the only That's other a good thing catch. The only other thing I have is uh when Willie is driving from the camera angle at one part, you can definitely tell it is a car on a trailer thing because one of the angles it's like up 
like bird's eye view ish. And you can see that like the car is much higher than the road would be. And also there's a scene, there's a part where they turn and Willie's hand does not move on the steering wheel at all. So Willie, Willie's driving is uh, not, not great fake driving. It's, it's like the, the other end of the spectrum of, of when people are constantly moving their hands back and forth when they're supposed to be going straight. Willie just never moves his hand. He also never looks at the road. He looks at Ray Allen every, like every time they cut to his face, he's looking at Ray Allen like, that dude's going to get in a car accident. I will say big time Willie strikes me as a guy who would be shockingly cavalier behind the wheel. <laughs> not not someone who's really like paying attention. Like he's probably driving with his knees, um, you mm. know, honking every now and then, but really doesn't care about what's going on. Uh, something we touched on in the beginning of this pod, how much did we really need the, the Mila Jovovich plot line? I just, I don't, it felt like it was missing a scene and it it just it felt like it was going in a good direction and then was just completely unfulfilled. And I don't know if something got cut for time or what, but because it doesn't like feel like it accomplishes anything except to maybe make you think that Jake is kind of a good guy and, and makes your feelings with him more complicated. Yeah, it felt like I would have much preferred that to be gone and and to focus more on the basketball. It, it, it's also just like, I felt like there could have been a little more basketball stuff. And I also just feel like the, the storyline around Jesus is more interesting than Jake storylines that don't have to do with Jesus. So I personally would have traded the Mila Jovovich stuff for either Jesus scenes or Jake and Jesus scenes. Cause just a Jake on his own thing. Like I don't really care. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not crazy about it. I don't No. I don't I don't know if it was supposed to lead to something like is the main is the main takeaway maybe Jake's not that bad and then he also like misses and loves and regrets, you know, killing his wife, which like there's probably a different way to get to that point without like him soliciting the hooker next door. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't um Yeah, I it's it's a weird choice. It's definitely a choice. It's a weird choice. It also feels of the times of the 90s where Pretty Woman was like the most popular movie. And it's like, oh, you can save her, you know, that kind of thing, which I don't think is a, a movie trope that looking back it works at very well. No, no. Um, the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for Best and Worst on Screen Athlete. You hinted that you had a heater in this one. Yes. Uh, oh, for let's see. Uh, for For best... So I, I've I've got a, a interesting one for worst sports actor. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I would say the best. Th- this might be like a hot take, but I feel like Ray Allen first ballot Hall oh, of Famer is yeah. probably the best. Right, right. Athlete. Yeah. For for the worst one, I've got uh, John Turturro as Tech U coach. <laughs> Doesn't he dribbles the ball like five times? But you can tell he's not a basketball guy. And and yeah, I get not every coach is going to be super athletic, but like. Every coach can at least like dribble. Like even there's that iconic clip of Stan Van Gundy doing some crossover moves. Like if he's going to be the coach of this team, he probably should dribble a bit more. And he's dribbling it really high, and he spreads his leg very awkwardly wide when he goes between the legs. Like it's just that's the only taste of someone that doesn't look natural with a basketball. I love Spike Lee though for getting John Turturro to come out. For I what mean, I'm sure absolutely was incredible! What a pull! In just unreal. 
He just he's great wherever he is. I I was very glad to see it. Um, I didn't like I didn't put anybody for worst on screen. I'm glad you had the Totoro catch because uh, Spike does a really good job of this. And there's no one in this movie too who is supposed to be fantastic at basketball besides mm-hmm. Jesus. Like his teammates are supposed to be good. The little bit we see of them playing, they seem like competent high school basketball players. Jake was supposed to be a, a heck of a basketball player back in the day, per our guy, Big Time Willie. And um, yeah, he uh, he seems fine. Denzel played at Fordham. He's got that cock back jump shot. Like all all is well in the uh, the basketball playing, and he got game. Yeah, definitely. The Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. It's a, this is a loaded category. It's really hard, but I'm going with Jim Brown as Spivey. He's so good. He's so good as Spivey. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of options though. Like he's Jim Brown is is really good in this. It, it, mm-hmm. Like what a random another like random pull from Spike. Like hey, let's just get Jim Brown, someone we haven't talked about at all. I don't think we've said her name since I said who was in the movie. Rosario Dawson. It's Lala. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. big stretch for Rosario Dawson of big screen sports. She's also in the rundown as a much more likable character. Yes, yeah, she does a very good job of being the worst and is really solidified by how much she talks in the third person about Lala. Like, Lala's, why can't Lala look out for herself? Like, what are you going to do? Leave Lala in La La Land? It's like, oh my God, <laughs> so annoying. I mean, they're a legitimate, like, really bad couple. And, like, she's, do you know, when they break up uh, by the, you know, by the boardwalk or whatever, and she's like, you know, you were, you know, why shouldn't I get paid? Like, and I, you know, I've heard, you know, what happens to the high school girlfriend? You get like, you know, he gets left or she gets left or whatever. But like, you also cheated on him with the guy from Drumline. It wasn't like you just took money. <laughs> like you were, you were still cheating on him. Also forgot to mention, speaking of guy from Drumline, we did not mention something that works, which is Jake Shuttlesworth throat punch. Vicious. Oh, very good. Very, very good. Vicious. Uh, more a little bit of love for uh bill nunn is uncle bubba again like mm-hmm. uncle bubba come on big screen sports <laughs> roger guinevere's big time willie incredible heat check on that car ride it's one scene it's fantastic rick fox is, is chick and he's great and then hill yeah. harper's booger just lovable booger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i i like the jim brown pick that that's a that's a good one it's a he's just like the perfect parole officer of like every line is said with a smirk, perfectly condescending, but, but like a mix of like, I'm your friend, but I'm also not your friend. Like, it's so nice. And just the way he talks, it's so smooth. Even the way he eats the hot dog, he looks cool. Like he's he's very cool throughout the whole thing. And just anytime he talks to Jake, it's like I could listen to him talk down to him for hours. You believe that Jim Brown is a man who ran over motherfuckers in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Um, I also, I love Roger Guinevere is, is big time. Willie. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name, right? I doubt I am, but it's big time. Willie. I, I am just, a. it's your wife was kind of right. And wondering like what's going <laughs> on, but I really love it. I love big yeah. time. Willie. Cause he's mm-hmm. also explaining it. It's also explaining like the, the dark side of fame and what's happened to these, these guys from Coney Island. Like what would happen to Sebastian Telfair five, six yep. years after that? Like it's a very real thing. And, Big Time Willie is saying it as only Big Time Willie can say it. You know, a lot of great ball players came out of Coney Island, but most of them didn't amount to shit. What about Stefan Marbury? He made it. Oh, true that, true that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's one of the few, all right? Yeah, and if he can make it out of here, so can I. Yeah? You gonna make it? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make it. You gonna make it out of here just like the rest of these niggas out here in a casket. 
first thing that's gonna take you out is these drugs we got for you. Uh, we got the cocaine, heroin, crack cocaine. We got the uppers, the downers, the chiba, crystal, meth, acid. We got the nicotine for you. Huh? You don't want none of that? And don't forget about the alcohol, baby. Yes, and and again, another person that you could just listen to him talk for hours because just the delivery on all of his, all of his lines is great. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was like maybe playing an angle to also be Jesus's agent, but like less direct than Dom Pagliani. So I don't I don't really know, but I do appreciate his presence. Yeah, the big chill. This is not a typical sports movie. Is there? Do you have a moment where you get the chills in this one? So I do, but it's not the good chills. The when he pushes Mrs. Shuttlesworth and she ultimately dies from her injury. That's the most chilling part of the movie, but not in the traditional sense that you choose for these moments in these episodes of big screen sports. I mean, it like it floors you because it's so sudden and abrupt. And then because you know, she dies, like you have the ultimate realization immediately. And that, that I think is the most chilling, but in the different sense of the word. Yeah. And I don't think, as a first time viewer, I don't think you ever expected the actual how his mom died to be as bad as it is. No. And just how quick it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's an instant mistake that costs the Shuttlesworth family everything, but it is a very preventable mistake and it's brutal to watch. Mm -hmm. I I don't have a big chill moment either. I did have a moment. I, I wrote this down is the emotional chills when Jesus is reading the letter from his dead mom. Oh, uh, so good. Then you Gosh. see he hasn't thrown out Jake's letters from prison. Like he said, although early in the movie, when he says I ripped him up, you know, you know that you're going to see those letters at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, the the kid actually, and the kid reading the letter from uh, G- Jesus reading the letter, the kid at basketball camp is actually the kid who would go on to star in Gridiron Gang, just Lincoln oh. sports movies together. Wow. Which is a movie that is a lot better than I think it gets credit for. Um, how to improve this one? Do you, did you have something you could, I have, I have actually a thing I would have, and maybe you could replace the, the, the Mila plot with this. I would have liked to have seen some more recruiting, not recruiting trips and like, you know, weird sex stuff, but just like bring in more of the recruiting aspect. Like you had these guys, you know, these coaches were at least willing to do a little bit and, and, you know, at least someone's local, have a have another scene talking to a coach. Have a little more of that influence in the movie and what it's like to be a big time recruit and the actual process of recruiting what these schools are promising. Yeah, I mean, what I had here was remove Mila Jovovich scenes, add more Jesus shuttles or its scenes. I feel like this movie was lacking a little bit more about specifically Jesus's basketball journey and the recruitment and all of that. I think if you swap that out and swap that in, it makes it a little bit better solely because the Mila stuff just feels unrealized, Mm -hmm. like it unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So I would just take that out and add, yeah, maybe, maybe he gets like, we never hear anyone from big state. Like we don't really know what they bring to the table. And I feel like if we knew more about them, we could at least compare it to tech you because he picks big state and we don't know anything about it except for, that is supposed to help Jake, but you know, maybe we, we get a sense of it. Maybe it could be like harder for him to choose him because tech, you was so much better than big tech or tech. You was so much better than big state, or maybe one school is better, but the other schools got better facilities. Like there would at least be something to understand why he hasn't chosen one and why he's torn. And I think that could have been nice if there's more recruiting. Yeah. We, 
the the one thing we know about this decision that Jesus is very torn. He doesn't want to make up his mind, but we don't know why. It's almost like yeah. he's almost like averse to the to college at all. He doesn't really talk about it. There's nothing like, man, big tech was so you know, techs tech you was so good last year. I love this coach. Like you 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 have no idea what's going on with this college decision. So I, I think a little bit more of that um, r- really could have helped. Uh, last final category. Before more restore, and and before we both answer this, there's a piece of trivia. Ray Allen and Spike Lee have had conversations about having a de facto sequel to this film, with Allen saying he would envision Jesus Shuttlesworth near the end of a successful pro career, much like Allen himself. As part of his expression of interest in such a project, when the Miami Heat players were allowed to wear special jerseys with nicknames or initials as part of an NBA promotion, mm-hmm. Allen jersey said Jay Shuttlesworth on the back, an image Spike Lee immediately and happily posted to Instagram. So, Mike, I leave it to you. Before more restored, would you rather see a uh, sequel, a uh, prequel, sequel, or remake to this movie? De- definitely a sequel. I want to see what happened at college. I want to see what his career looked like. I want to see... You know, even even if Jake doesn't get out early, 15 years later, he's out now. What's it like? Definitely sequel. I want to see what happens to to everybody uh, and and see where his journey led him. I would actually legitimately pay for my Netflix and not use my parents <laughs> if, if that movie came. I would be willing to make that sacrifice if That's someone big. Said, That's high praise. If someone said we're getting a he got game two, but you got to get on your own Netflix account, I would do that. I would fall on that sword high investment right there yeah but the one we got was good not sure we need a not sure we need a sequel that is a no. hall of fame movie mike thank you so much for returning to big screen sports tell the folks again where they can follow you where they can check out all your projects and where they can check out your new project yeah thanks again for having me kyle always fun to be on the show of course i love this podcast quite a bit and it's always fun to chat about these movies and nice to actually do a sports one for I know, once we talked about <laughs> feel real, so strange real sports <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah i like doing a heist movie because then we can get back to uh not sports again and where i where i rightfully belong so uh if you want to check out what i'm doing i'm at, on social media at shub 17 s-c-h-u-b-e-s-1-7 twitter and instagram uh and then my personal website is s-c-h-u-b dot e-s and if you want to check out that project the one that the kickstarter is going for that's modern muckraker you can either go to modernmuck.com or bit.ly slash modern muckraker and that link is going to be in these show notes in the big screen sports facebook group and on Twitter, if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate, leave a review. You folks know the drill. Also, for any baseball fans out there, go check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday. New episodes of Big Screen Sports come at you next Monday. So until then, thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.